ready, baby. What's happening? My Bully Podcast, North So I say another day, another dollar, another mind bully moment. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Usually, right? Usually I start this episode, just jump into it. You know how it is. If this is your first time, I always say bear with me, but I don't care. Whatever. Anyways, I usually have an episode on Thursdays where I have, you know, the kind of raw, uncut version, the talking tough segment, spit it out, the talking tough segment where I don't advertise. I don't actually even put it out. I just put it out. But this is the only time I'll actually advertise and say, check out Thursday's episodes. But but just to give an update on an episode, I broke the dang interface that I use, you know, the Rodecaster Pro 2, and I've been scrambling. And literally, this is hours before I'll put this episode out. Usually I have time, you know, to study, you know, edit all this stuff. I literally had this whole day, grind it out, do the episode, record the episode, edit the episode, fine tune it, show notes, everything. This is it. Hope you like it. Thank you. Anyways, if you do like this, if you like this podcast, if you like, and you've been tuned in from the very jump, actually, if you've ever tuned in, I'm so thankful, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. If you listen to this, share this thing anywhere. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know this has been a rant just to jump in on your Monday or whenever you listen, but you know, I don't care. You know, tell it to someone. No, I'm kidding. I care. But thank you so much. Let's get into this week's episode. Wait, 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 wait. Keep if you do listen to this episode, please, if you can do me one favor, stop this, rate this, review this, share this, anything. It does so much for the platform, for what we're building here together. A podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. I always forget saying it, but I'm not perfect. You aren't either. So shut up. Let's get into this episode. This week's guest, my boy, my fellow gamer back in the day, my guy, Mr. Marcellus Hill. He's an educator, a podcast host. And a coach's kid. From being a three-sport athlete growing up to pivoting to a career focused on educating, inspiring, and improving the lives of young students from underprivileged communities. Celis has quite the story. A story that would soon take a turn due to the passing of his father. In this episode, Hear how Celis uses sports to continue to tell his story, his family's story, and to honor his father. But it's not coming out of my headphones. It's only coming out of my speaker. I hope that don't feed back on yours. That's the only problem. But Oh, nah. Nah, you good. You good. Nah, but appreciate you doing this, bro. Nah, yeah, heck? for sure, bro. I be I be tuning in to your to your snippets and listen to y'all uh, to your podcast when I can, for sure. So, yeah, like, and and just and just now, I'm saying, cause, bro, we when was the first time I told you to do this? Like, you, Man. I feel like I've been like putting this off, putting this off, putting Man, this off, and then we, this uh, week we talked about it. Shoot, over at least a week and a half, almost two weeks, but it's all good. Both of us, yeah, I get it. Nah, I, I'm not nah, honestly, bro. I, I don't think a lot of us and I'll get into your story and I, how I just start. I shoot it. I like I yeah. go straight in. But I think your story is powerful. And I think a lot of people would benefit even myself from just studying you and learning more about your story, because a lot of times, especially how we met on the game, it's all jokes, 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 yeah. jokes, jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't really understand the individuals that we're encountering on the day to day. So now. Nah, 
for you to be on the Mind Believe podcast, Mr. Marcellus Hill. Yes, sir. Hello. Appreciate you. Thank you for being on. Appreciate you, dog. Appreciate you. It's crazy, bro. I be explaining to people how I met you, how I met Kenan. Um, it's it's funny hearing that uh, reaction when I tell them, like, bro, I genuinely met them playing Xbox, and then but when you play <laughs> Xbox for years and and you know hours on end on a daily basis you don't have a choice but to get to know that person so yeah nah man i appreciate you having me on man and can't wait to dive into this i've been excited about this 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 podcast on your from your standpoint man is uh i think it's it's great what you're doing because you don't hear a lot of, of people addressing the mental aspect especially when they see your lifestyle our lifestyle just the athlete's lifestyle in general um, a lot of people really don't understand um, the amount of pressure we put on ourselves on a daily basis, even once we done playing. So, yeah, right. man, I think what you're doing is is phenomenal for sure. Love. Man. That's a lot of love from the onset, from the jump. Yes, sir. I like it. Yes, but sir. specifically to you and your story, um, I'll, I'll dive into your story. Head of media production at Princeton High School. But just who you are on the onset for for one to know who you've became, all these things that you're doing, educator, uh, your content creator, podcast, different things that you're involved in. For one to know who you became, they have to know who you were. Yeah. What was that kid like? Take me Man. back to Terrell, Texas. <laughs> what was that cell like? Yeah, so, yeah, um... Man, I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in Terrell. Um, for those that don't know, fun fact, it's the uh, it's the same hometown as uh, Eric Bishop, Jamie Foxx, uh, for those that don't know his government name. But, yeah, man, I uh, I spent a lot of time as a coach's kid. Um, you know, my dad coached track, cross country, and football for shoot, pretty much my whole life. I'm 26 now, so as long as I can remember, um, I've been the, the son and kid of an educator. My mom, the same way. She's been in the education system um, just as long as I can remember. Um, but she's in a different realm, not necessarily as a teacher, but she's in the front office working as a registrar, maybe sometimes as a counselor. Just she's an all around person um, in that in that front office. So, yeah, man, I think for, for me, uh, yeah, I, I spent, you know, time playing pretty much every sport. Like I said, my pops is one of those people that uh, that allowed me to to dive into whatever sport that I wanted to. So for me, that ended up being soccer. It was what the one sport that I ended up pursuing the most. Uh, so I started playing soccer at four years old. And for those that don't know, Terrell, Texas is not a producer of soccer players, especially black <laughs> soccer players in America, man. So, man, I can't tell you the amount of things that my pops heard growing up. Man, your son a football player, man. You a football player, a track guy. Man, he should be playing soccer. You don't need to be doing that. But, you know, he allowed me to do what I wanted to do, what I was passionate about. And that came with uh, some adversity a little bit, too. Um, a lot of the times I was the only black kid out playing soccer. Um, I was the only minority in general um, playing soccer. But, you know, the different elements that I provided um, in the game of soccer was a little different than what a lot of other people um, were able to bring. So, you know, my, my play style was more of a, a pacey. I run a four, three forty. So that was a, a pacey type of guy, a guy that could bring a different change uh, of speed to the game. Um, but with that, man, like I said, it was a, it was a battle getting the, you know, becoming to find myself. You know, I, a lot of times I felt faced the adversity, um, with knowing who I was 
um, and who my identity was because, you know, I hung out with a lot of white people. A lot of my friends were white. Um, you know, I always uh, got told that even by my own family, man, man, you always talk so proper, man. You always talk so proper and you always, uh, man, you always, you talk so white, man. Why you gonna be acting black? Why you don't act black? That's the type of stuff that I endured um, growing up. So, Man, seeing where I am today, uh, like you said, man, is a completely different person. Even from when I was in college, man, when I was in college, definitely not the person that I am today. I was one of those guys that uh, faced a lot of—I uh, don't know how to how to word this—but I just wasn't—I wasn't confident um, right. back then. Even you know, even though I had all the skills back then, it just took a lot of self growth and uh, self reflecting to be able to get to where I am today. And if I Hadn't done that stuff, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today at 26 years old, you know, head of media production, um, educating kids um, and not only kids, but teenagers at that high school kids and me not being that much older than them. Man, you got to have some sense of confidence. Otherwise, they going to pick up on that real quick and know that you don't, you know, that you don't believe in what you saying. So how can they believe in what you saying? And I think for me, where I teach at right now, so I teach at Princeton High School. Um, a title one school for those that don't know title one is, a uh, is a place where a lot of kids over 50% of our school population lives in poverty or under the poverty line. And so that's what Terrell is the same way. Title one school. Ennis is the same way. Title one. So for me, I didn't think I was going to be an educator, man, but you know, I went to school as a mass communications guy. I thought I was going to work in sports media, which I'm somewhat doing that, but I'm teaching kids how to do that. But I'm also showing kids that, Hey, I was once in your position and in the circumstances of you need to get the hell out of here. Y'all have a lot of potential. Y'all have the sky's the limit. So man, it's, it's been a, it's been a blast being able to, uh, to reach out and pour into these kids, even though I never thought that was something I would do despite growing up as a, as an educator's kid myself. Bro, that was beautiful. I think that was the, probably the, the most eloquent, just uh, it, I don't even have words to how you just tied everything together and that, that spiel that you just did there. But I think that's beautiful. I do want to go back to what you did say, um, and facing adversity earlier and, and, you know, the people saying, Oh, you talk, you talk white. Why you talk so proper? You don't yeah. act like you're from here. You act like, so to speak to that kid. If you were behind the eyes of that Celis again, if you were to revert back years ago, how did you walk through that and work through that adversity in those days, in those real times? What were your steps to get out of that? Man, um, it's it's a it's a lot. You know, uh for me, I, I relieve stress in, in multiple ways, whether it's you know, putting words on the paper and getting my thoughts out that way. Um, at that was, age, at that age, man, um, I've wow, been a writer yeah. my whole life. Uh, putting words the paper was a, was one of those things that, and and nobody ever read it. It was just something for me to be able to just get it out, you know. Um, another thing was talking to my pops, man. My pops was uh was one of the least judgmental people I've ever met in my life, and he dealt with that same thing. My pops is the only one in my immediate family, uh, before us to have a degree out of four kids, so. He know he knows and he was, you know, in the same boat as me at one point. So I sometimes I talked to him, but even then, sometimes he wouldn't even understand everything that I was going through. So, man, a lot of times it would just be me, myself, and I'm not even gonna say I necessarily got over that. It took me a long time um to fully, fully get through that myself. And some of the things that I did, like I said 
putting words to paper, talking to my pops, um, going to go work out, going to run. Um, I, I My problem was I would always sit out to prove people wrong. That's the way that I would always approach it. And sometimes I care way too much about what people thought. And sometimes that would uh, bring my performance level down. So can you take me to one of those times where, you know, you, you focus so much on proving these people wrong that were saying these things to you. And like you just said, that that kind of hindered your performance. Could you walk me through one of those times that you're uh, referring to? A, a perfect example would be. Um, so I throughout high school always played club soccer, high school football and then high school soccer. And one of those things where, you know, I would always have to feel like I had to prove myself to all of my coaches, despite being an all district athlete in every single one of them, despite being a, a all state player in club soccer. Um, you know, one time one of my coaches told me uh, that you need to go soccer full time. Um, you need to, you're not even necessarily a great football player. And this is the year after I was a utility player of the year um, in my district in football. And the way I responded to that was trying to go out, you know, that next game in football, I uh, found myself trying to do things that I didn't do. Um, my play style was somebody that made people miss, real finesse, run out of bounds, don't care. Um, I avoided contact as much as I possibly could. Find myself going out there trying to run over guys, trying to pick up yards the hard way, um, trying to return kicks the hard way. And, man, that ended up being the worst game of, uh, of my season. And it wasn't even mm-hmm. against a good team in that district that year. So um, another example, we uh, we had this tournament. It's called Dallas Cup. So Dallas Cup is uh, one of the biggest youth tournaments in the world um, in club soccer. Um, pretty much everybody. I mean, it's like the Youth World Cup, essentially. It's like the second biggest youth tournament in the world. And, uh, man, I got told – by football coaches on the other end, you know, man, you're not even a soccer player, man. I don't know why you sitting here missing school, trying to go play soccer, trying to go do those things and trying to do that. And man, playing against the team from Trinidad and Tobago, it was very, very unique, but you know, I let that get in my head. Um, in the back of my mind, I just kept on, you know, thinking about what coaches are telling me, man, you're not even a soccer player. And it just would try so hard in the game to try to get out of that. Um, and try to prove them wrong that it ended up backfiring on me. And I ended up getting pulled 30 minutes into the game and having to sit um, yeah. the whole time. So, man, it's, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I just, like I said, I cared so much back then about what people thought and uh, and how people viewed me as an athlete and as a person. And over the, over the years, man, I just learned to not necessarily give a damn about what people think, but to know that my opinion is the one that matters the most. I mean, right. nobody has to sit here and live my everyday life. So why do I have to care about what they think of me? They don't they don't see Celis's lens on a daily basis. They only see what they see. They only see that hour and a half snippet. They only see that hour and a half, 90 minute football game. Uh, that's what they see. They don't see me and dealing with three other siblings. They don't see me and the amount of hours that I have to put in to help my mom out around the house. They don't see the hours that I have to sit and watch my dad and, and view him too. So, you know, over the years, like I said, I just, it took me a long time, but um, over the years, it finally, you know, came together to where I was like, man, in the end, my opinion is the one that matters the most. So your opinion is the one that matters the most. I think in that time, I, another question that just sort of comes to my head 
you know, you're dealing with that with, you know, outside figures that have nothing to do with what you're trying to do, your destiny, who you are going back home. Like you just spoke and and spoke to your, your three other siblings that you're the oldest of, Mm. did you see yourself and how were your interactions with your family during those times? Like you would, you would try to be this person when you're going to school, but when you come back home, you can be yourself. Was there any shift in your emotions and your interactions with your siblings? Like what was that family dynamic like in that time? Man, I'll tell you, man. Uh, I'd say my, my family dynamic is one of the most unique and closest family dynamics that you'll ever see. Um, you know, if you get on my TikTok, uh, <laughs> naturally, just side note, you know, I have over 140,000 followers on TikTok and it's solely just from recording and interacting with my family. And it's just being a genuine, wholesome reaction. Now, again, all you see on there, you'll look at that and you'll be like, man, they are some of the most genuine people, which, yes, we love we love each other to death. But, man, during those times, I had to, you know, face my own family. Um and, and I found myself shutting them out, you know, when I'm getting in my head about something that happened hours ago. Um, I was real, real hard on myself as an athlete and especially being the oldest one. All of my siblings are watching, too. So if I don't have a good game and my little brother is watching, I feel like I disappointed him. If I have a bad game and my sisters are watching, I feel like I disappointed them. So a lot of times I get home and shut them out and I get called out about that. That's the thing about my family is. We hold each other accountable. We call each other out whenever we feel like, you know, one of us isn't doing what we're supposed to do. So, you know, that that dynamic is, is wholesome and healthy, I feel like. Um, but at the same time, you know, everybody deals with with family problems and has a conflict within the family. And don't think that, you know, we're just one perfect, happy family. We held each other accountable. We got mad at each other. We kicked each other in the face sometimes. But in the end. Um, it was one of those things that uh, I, I'd say my family was not afraid to call me out um, on my on my BS. Uh, they weren't afraid to to hold me accountable. It's just up to me to to listen. Um, and even now, man, like I know and I know you might get into this later on, but uh, with my pops passing away, man, that is one of the most uh, I think that's one of the most difficult things I've had to endure as a uh, as a 26 year old already man uh you know my dad wasn't even wasn't even 50 years old um i had a very very unique and close relationship with him um but after he passed man uh having to be the man of the house that was something that i definitely was not ready for um i wasn't ready to take on that responsibility of you know paying my my siblings tuitions and helping them, you know, financially throughout college. Uh, it's just something that I was not ready for. And after he passed, man, I just found myself in my own little shell and I shut out everybody from my mom to my siblings, to my aunt, to my uncles, anybody that was close to him. You know, I just kind of dealt with that stuff internally. And was that the right way to do it? I don't know. To me personally, I don't think there's a right way or a correct way to handle death. Um, I think everybody just has to, handle that in the way that they feel, you know, they best see fit. Um, and like I said, with that being my first time and during a death of that magnitude, you know, I just, that's the, that's just what I resorted to. And right. like I said, I just don't know. I don't know if it was the right way. It might've been, it might not have been, but there definitely were some, some, some hard times throughout that, uh, throughout that healing process where, you know, my siblings are calling me out saying that I'm not around as much or, 
vice versa. Um, same yeah. thing with any any of my siblings where we shut each other out, somebody saying something to them and letting them know. But like I said, man, in the end, um, you have to look at yourself and say, man, how how do I feel at this moment? How is the how's it the best way to handle it for me at this moment? Sometimes you have to put other people aside and put your your feelings at the at the forefront. Because man, when you put people a lot of times when you put other people first and you're I'm a very selfless person and sometimes that gets me in trouble, always worrying about what other people always want to take care of other people. I forget to take care of my own self. Um yeah. and so I my advice with with something like that, man, is to really, really put yourself at the forefront. Pray for your other guys, pray for your other family members and pray that they get through it. But however you best see fit to handle situations like that is what I would recommend. So Man, Celis, for one, uh, thank you for for sharing. You kind of went on a uh, a spiel to to tell me where you were, where you are now, and kind of what you're working through. Yeah. Um. To to share that on an open platform and everything that you know, it, it showcasing that vulnerability, I think is powerful for for many to hear. And and I do want to 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 lean into that a little bit later, but just for you know to show and and curiosity of kind of how you got to this place mentally. This is the only reason why I do want to kind of revert back to your childhood, but then we will get to that later on. Yeah. But no, that I just want to stop and say, man, thank you for, for sharing that. Cause I think a lot of people just from that in their situation, they can learn and, and to see somebody, you know, the, the showcase, the vulnerability, the, the right. bravery to do so will help somebody else. So again, thank you for that. Um, I do want to, ask you this question. I think from that time where you were talking to, you know, those people you're trying to prove, 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 and then you got back home and, you know, it wasn't all fine and dandy with mm. your family situation. I think in adolescence, you know, we create stories and narratives about who we are and what we tell ourselves and to other people all day long. At that time, I guess what self narrative, what self talk tape was Celis telling himself about who he was? Man, Celis was asking his own self who he was. That's the biggest thing. Uh, Celis didn't know who Celis was back then. It took a long time for Celis uh, to figure that out. And like I said, man, I, I tried to find my identity through other people. And I think that's the biggest mistake that I that I made constantly back then was trying to let other people identify me and let other people dictate who I was as a person, as opposed to doing that myself. So a lot of times, man, I, I found myself asking myself, uh, man, who the hell are you? You know, are you a are you a fun, loving soccer player, football, good athlete guy? Are you a, a chameleon that can fit in with other people? Who are you? I didn't even know who I was because I was getting so many different um, contradicting responses. When did you find that answer? Ooh. Because you went on to do things. I, I mean, you're the first in your family to get your master's degree. You were a yeah. three sport athlete growing up. You've tried different things. You're a curious kid growing up to you're playing soccer, you're playing football, you're doing all these things. You move on, you do content creation. How did you find and where was that switch to know that I can lean in who I am? You know, I'm uniquely made. I'm uniquely crafted. Yeah, I don't sound like you guys. I might not look like right. you guys. I move. I even go to a different high school and it's where they're saying, oh, you're not from here. You're from Terrell. Like, yep. I'm not yep. I, I'm not in your little community, in your little group. But 
when was the time that Sellers was like, all right, I'm Sellers and, right. and I'm cool with being Sellers? I'm going to be honest with you. It'd be when I left and went to school and I didn't have all of that in my in my ear on a weekly, weekend, week out basis. Um, I got to school. People accepted me for who I was um, and who I was was a three sport athlete, um, somebody that can communicate with just about anybody. I'm a very outgoing person. Um, somebody that loves to write and that was accepted. Um, you know, once I got to school, I figured that out. You know, I was, uh, found myself in an English class my freshman year. Um, and at the time I was just majoring in communications and that was it. I always wanted to, um, you know, pursue the sports media world and create content, tell people stories, whatever. Um, and my professor called me out. So I was at a smaller school. So everybody knows everybody. You know, we only had about 1,500 students at, at Washington Baptist University. So, I mean, it's a very tight-knit group. But, you know, I got called out by my professor one day, and she said, man, you need to uh, really think about majoring um, or minoring in English because you are a person that loves to tell stories. You tell a really good story all the time. And, uh, you know, after my freshman year, that's when I just kind of embraced that. And you know what? I'm different than – everybody else from Terrell, Texas. That's why I didn't go home as often once I went to school. That's why I wasn't, you know, you can ask my parents. I probably, you can probably count on the, on one hand how many times I went home in those four years, but that was because I was finally at a place where I could fully, fully be myself. Um, so I would say, man, I didn't find out until, you know, 18, 19 years old and away from home. Um, right. As crazy as that sounds, because like I said, there was just so many, conflicting opinions in my ear that it confused me and it had me asking my own self man like who the hell am i and i think that's the uh that's the mistake that i made growing up so you know if i would if i were to go back with the things that i know now um you know i would have taken that approach a long time ago um and and just fully embracing who i was back then and not letting conflicting opinions um bother me but like i said it required me to go to another state it felt, almost felt refreshing and starting over, you know, even though I was still playing soccer and doing those things, it just, it was refreshing being in a new state, refreshing being around new people, um, refreshing, you know, pursuing new classes and doing what I actually wanted to do. So, man, I didn't discover that, like I said, until shoot gears on down the road. And that that's was, fire. I think, yeah. bro, like, I think, yeah, in, in our childhood, there's this friction between, you know, who we actually are and who everybody else wants us to be. It sounds like when you were able to break away and refresh yourself and release from that friction, it's like you're running away from the traits of you trying to fit in to you, like running into who you are. Like I have a finally a space where I can express myself, not try to impress, impress, impress. I can exactly. finally express at exactly. free range and these people accept me. I think, you know, for a lot of us, even for myself and my story growing up as a twin and, and then finally doing the things that I, I went on to do, I, I went on a journey of trying to impress, impress. But once you can finally run and express yourself and you found a, a teacher, an instructor to say, hey, you should you should major in you should do English. You should yeah. do this. And because she saw the traits in you. Honing into that and zeroing into that. I think that's so fire because it's, it's special when we have educators kind of pinpoint our talents. That's where I do want to take this to you, bro. And the podcast that you have, the sports cell, literally like you're a passionate guy, opinionated guy, love sports, all that stuff. 
where does that actually come from? Like, like, why do you care so much about all these things that you're into? Like you just said, you're so interested in telling people stories and through sports. Why? Man, it's, it's, it's one of those things, man, just because the amount of stories that I have seen myself, even from when I was a younger kid, um, that was just a passionate that I just immediately took on. Um, you know, one of the people that I actually could do those things about and I'll and I don't mind diving into this, but, you know, you know, like I said, I grew up coach's kid, five and six years old. My dad's telling me stories about how at that age I'm sitting here analyzing varsity players varsity players are coming to me and asking me how i did and you know man will hill how did i do will hill how did i do and i'm sitting there telling them because i'm actually watching the game i wasn't that kid that was playing football playing throwback tackle is what we called it in this area i wasn't that kid that was you know playing with toys during the game i was that kid that actually sat down and watched the game where that comes from I really don't have the answer to that. Wait, so you were telling them, nah, you was trash. You was doing this. Yeah, according to my pops, (laughs) according to my mama. Yeah. And it is funny because, you know, they say kids don't know how to, you know, distinguish when to tell the truth and when not to. All kids know how to do is tell the truth. So I was that kid that, hey, man, yeah, you did. You did good. Or no, man, you didn't really do that good. You could have done better. (laughs) And they just said, like, man, how the hell does a six year old kid know this much? Uh. And like I said, man, I didn't know that it required my pops telling me those types of stories. But had I been able to remember that time, I think I would have uh, embraced myself a little bit sooner than what I did. Um, but, you know, that passion, man, it's just it's just one of those things, man. I don't I don't know where it comes from. But, yes, I am very, very passionate. That's my motto in my classroom with my kids. Everybody has a story to tell, even on my podcast, what. One of the directions I go besides giving my my passionate opinions is uh, is talking to former student athletes. And even though they're not playing their sport anymore, how was your time as a student athlete um, helped you develop into the person that you are today or the employee that you are today? Man, that's just something that I'll always be passionate about. Um, again, why? I, I don't know where that passion <laughs> comes from. I don't know, you know, I'm now, but the difference is, is that I know how to embrace that passion i'm not ashamed to embrace that passion anymore where i was like back then i was afraid to express that i was always trying to impress 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 and you know i come from a town where everybody knows my family everybody knows um from my grandparents to my pops to my uncles so again everybody had this idea of what i was supposed to be and that's where I got myself into a lot of trouble. I always let those outside opinions affect me for whatever reason. Um, you know, man, Lil Hill, man, you, your daddy was a 4-3 guy, man. You need to be on that track. You need to be long jump. You need to do this. You need to do that. Not even having the balls to say, man, I already have my own thing. You know, my pops ain't even. Why do I care about what you're saying? And my own pops didn't even feel this way. So why do I even care about what it is that you have to say about it? My pops is the four three guy. He's the track loving guy, but he isn't even telling me you need to be doing these things. He's allowing me um, to, you know, embrace the sport of soccer. He's allowing me to embrace the things that is very unconventional. He's allowing me to embrace the getting a masters. He's the one person that I would say, um, you know, never, like I said, never judge me. And that through him, I think I was able to discover that as well because again. Why am I allowing classmates of his? Why am I allowing dudes that I don't even see but once 
twice every blue moon, give their opinion, and then that's affecting me. Um, yeah, it just took me a long, long time to say, man, you know what? Not even him is telling me that. So why do I give a damn about what it is that you have to say? Man, what you just said right here, bro, it's so like, like it's everything because I totally resonate with that. Like there's so many people, you know, that don't understand that you are unique. You're literally a one of one. You don't have to be like anybody else. Like just because this path, you've never seen it before. Uh, exactly. Because you never seen me before. You don't know who I am. Really? Like my dad is one thing. Me, I'm a different thing. I think like there's so many people and it, there's so many ways I can go with that, but I don't want to go. I want to stick on this story. Yeah. I think what you did there, you went from that time you spoke to like how your dad poured into you in that way. But then you went on to college and you had a radio show. Yep. How and walk me through that journey in finding your voice behind the mic, because, yes, you have that passion, but you have to take that talent and pair it with teachability and, right. and practice. Right. How was that journey in finding your voice? Man, the biggest thing was that they just allowed us to constantly create content and constantly put that content out there. That all started again. If it wasn't for me taking a sports journalism class. And having an assignment where we had to do a podcast episode, I don't even know if I would have had the balls to to start one myself. And if I did, it would have taken me a long time to find my own voice. Uh, but, you know, at that time, um, it was one of those things where it literally started off as an assignment. Um, I, I took my notes, did everything that I need to do um, from what I knew at the time, um, recorded that, put it out, you know, bravely put that out. And the amount of feedback, and positive feedback that we got on that was utterly insane. Um, that radio show in college, ironically, out of all schools, I mean, we were at a small Division II school, um, but this is all schools in the country from D1, D2, D3 to NAIA. That podcast ended up being one of the uh, top three ranked podcasts in college um, that year. And wow. just through, through, through prep and time and just constantly analyzing myself, because I now – and it's funny that you say that you should you should have seen me back then recording episodes and I constantly overthinking, constantly thinking twice about the things that I say constantly. Take me to the I, day before. Take me to the day before an episode. How was that? Sellis in that time. What was he doing? Man, that, that Sellis was always OK. I'm planning. I'm planning. I'm planning. This is what I'm going to talk about. This is what I'm going to talk about. Oh, well, there's a story within this that we need to talk about. No, 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 that that probably ain't gonna be good. Well, no, 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 that might that might be good. Okay, well, I'm a soccer player. We might talk about soccer, but how many people are actually gonna listen to that soccer segment? Even though it, it's one of those things, man. I, I'm reading a book right now, and one of the things that he talks about is that feedback loop from hell, and that's literally what I did. And it's just constantly, constantly overthinking and overthinking about overthinking. That's what I did back then, repeatedly. Right? It would literally take seven, eight hours for me to prep for one episode. And in the end, it really wasn't necessary. It was just, I needed to go out there and just be myself. Me being myself is enough. And I think that's a lot of things. That's the thing that a lot of people struggle with is not understanding that you just being yourself is good enough. Like you don't need right. to, you don't need to go in and, and try to think about what other people are going to think about this. And then, well, how are people going to interpret that? That, that is the biggest difference for me now with me putting out content. I don't think twice about 
anything that I talk about. I don't think twice about how I edit videos. I don't think twice about how I want to film my shots that I'm doing for a hype video. I don't think twice about any of that stuff. I just do my research, study, put it out. People are going to interpret it the way they're going to interpret it, whether I put in eight hours of prep or two hours of prep for it. In the end, and I think it's just authentic. Yeah, I think so, exactly, exactly yeah. that what you just said at the authentic. It's authentic. There's a one thing that even you know the sports talk people nowadays. They say, oh, you didn't play professionally. You can't talk about this or, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't even you don't even know what it means to be there. You can't talk about this. How do you think and how do you feel about that? And does that shape the way that you talk about sports? Because for me, the passion behind it, like the the study behind it, that matters as well. And I always liked other people's point of view because they see something the actual athlete doesn't right. see. Right. So I never got that kind of talk track to where, oh, he didn't play because, oh, he, he don't know what he's talking about. Because some athletes, they don't know how to articulate it exactly. and bring in different points to let make me, it actually entertaining. Let me ask you a question. How many top tier athletes go on to become good coaches? Very, like, very, very small. rarely. Exactly. Right? So that's why yeah. I don't. That's why I don't understand that argument either. Um, some of the best coaches I've had legitimately didn't play the sport, or if they did play, they were last on the bench. They were a guy that only got in, you know, during garbage time. So that argument to me is just very, very flawed because, like what you said, they are seeing the game from a different element and a different lens than what we see the game from. And and even then, let's say if you got somebody that can, you know, that's a, a top tier basketball player. So for instance, you, Keenan, um, Tyreek, all those guys that made it to a final four. Yes. Y'all are, y'all are phenomenal at what y'all do, but maybe I see the game and see things that y'all might not have seen on the floor. And why wouldn't you respect that? If I have a, a good track record of understanding the game of basketball, if I've studied and put my time in, why do you have a problem with that? I think that argument is so flawed, and I can't stand that argument of, well, he well, he didn't, but you didn't even play, so why why can't you? Uh, why do you have the you know the, the ability to do that, dude? Y'all don't even realize half the superlatives are voted by media guys that didn't play. So Fact. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why y'all are y'all are so gung ho on that, man. Like it's just. One of those literally, like if you ask this, literally, if you ask this man, sell us anything about the Mavericks, he'll get it to you in a second. (laughs) Anything about soccer, he'll get it to you in a second. Like he'll spit it out. Like people that know basketball will say something about the Mavericks. He's like, nope, nope, that's not right. This happened. This happened. So it's like there's these passionate people that actually study it every single day. Like everybody has a voice and, you know, something to add to something that we call like something creative called sports. You can't just keep it for the people that actually play it. There's other aspects to it. The watch it. I will embrace and, and understand the fact that I myself did not play basketball. Right. I myself am not somebody that that played basketball my whole life. I played one year and that was eighth grade. Um, after that, I didn't play anymore. But I've been around the game so long um, and I find so so many similarities. That's why I love people that love multiple sports, people that, lo- that watch multiple sports, because then you can compare and give analogies to those different sports. So me as a soccer player, I look at the game of basketball as just a shrunk down version of that. Um Basketball is it's the exact same concept as soccer. There's a lot of off-ball movements that are involved. Only difference is you can't set picks at soccer. That's the only difference. But 
Fast breaks is the equivalent of a counterattack. Um, Tiki Taka is the equivalent of moving off the ball and motion offense in basketball. Um, so that again, I used to be bothered when people say, man, you didn't even play. So I don't even respect your opinion. But in the end, dude, I know more than what you're giving me credit for. And now mm. I've been able to build that platform and people care about my opinion. Um, it used to be one of those things where I was, I was just so in my head about that too. And it's like, man, I only, I'm only going to talk about the sports that I have played. So I'm only wait, do you think this is, a, this is just a one-off. Do you think that you feel, you know, your confidence comes from people caring now about it or that confidence comes from somewhere else? Where do you think that confidence that you have and you speak to now comes from? Because a lot of times, um, yeah. But in the end, I actually, you know, in the end, I still embraced and put out content regardless of what people thought. It's just that now people care about that opinion and that just gives me the motivation to keep on going. But eventually I had to come to myself and say, all right, man, I don't care about what people think. I'm going to put my content out regardless and I'm going to do my own thing. Even when I started my own podcast, people were just, I was so worried about what people thought. I was so worried about people having an opinion on, man, everybody does podcast. Because that's the argument you hear now with anybody that starts a podcast. Man, this podcast world is just, everybody does podcasts, man. I don't know why you're doing that. No, I I don't, I could care less. I could get one play an episode and I'm still going to do that just because I'm so passionate about talking about sports. So people will tune in for your unique voice. Yeah. Literally. Like we went from, you know, finding yourself to finding your voice to finding your passion. I think this has been a journey in finding, you know, who Celis is. When you find your passion, the next step is contribution. Yep. You did say something in the form that I sent you over. You said, pouring into my content creating passion that included my time at OBU and UCA. From college, that kind of development stage, that passion, and to now, that's turned into contribution, what you've been able to do, educating and you know giving back to the kids. You received the Teacher Innovation Grant from Princeton ISD. Yeah. Yep. Everything that led up to you receiving that grant from Princeton ISD, walk me through that moment. Man, uh like you like you said, it was a it was a lot of uh looking at myself and 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 telling yourself, okay, Celis, in the end, um I'm I'm not gonna give a damn about what people think. I'm not gonna worry about how people perceive my voice. I'm not going to worry about what even people think about my opinion. Um, It's just going to be one of those things where I'm going to put this content out. This is what my passion is. I'm going to continue to do that. And I will be my own biggest reflector. I'm going to be my own biggest critic. Um, And I'm not going to worry about what other people think. And I think, uh, man, it's funny talking about that, that teacher innovation grant. Um, That was one of those things where genuinely I didn't even I had completely forgot about that. I forgot that I even filled out that form to get all of that, uh, all of that equipment and new um, things in my classroom to be able to educate my kids. And then once I found out that I got it, I was like, oh, dang, I I forgot all about myself even applying for that. Um, But I think, man, it's just it's all about. It's all about asking yourself and addressing, Okay, what is it that. I have to bring to the table. What is it that I myself um, can offer? What is it that I myself um, can contribute to society? And for me, like I said, through college, I figured out it was telling people stories. And 
a lot of that came through writing features on foreign exchange students. I have a feature that I wrote over a Brazilian tennis player, and that was a, a step in the right direction. And hearing the feedback from her family and them just saying thank you so much for telling her story, that was that was refreshing because um, mm. that was just one of those things that I thought was just an assignment. And seeing the feedback that I got from that and the positive feedback, I was like, okay, I'm actually good at this. Let me continue to pursue this a, li- a little more. Um, you know, and then going from that to being on air myself and uh, going through the, the adversity of being on air and knowing what to say live and what not to say live. I think that for me was a was a big challenge was was doing things live and not, you know, not not having a redo. You know, um, a lot of times when you're recording podcasts, you got multiple chances to, to, to do things over again. And for me, I had to just finally put that to the side and not think twice about being live. Um, being live was just, okay, you just got to be yourself. And I think that it kind of forces you to actually, yeah, nah, you actually got to be yourself. Exactly. I think, I think being live is one of those things that I, I think was uh, one of those steps that took me in the, in the right direction too, because otherwise I'd have been, like I said, before going on air live 24 seven and being a color commentator, I was always, Feedback loop from hell, man. This is what I need to do. No, this is not what I need to do. But, man, if I did this, this is what is going to happen with that. Nah, never mind. I'm not going to. You know, you didn't have the opportunity to do that when you're live. You just got to go out, be yourself, let people uh, give you feedback regardless. And this is another thing that I've learned, too, man, is uh, it doesn't matter what you do. You cannot you can't please everybody. Somebody's always going to have something negative to say. And I think when people figure that out. Um, it'll make life a whole hell of a lot easier. There's not going to always be 100% positive feedback. And I think that's where I found myself making a lot of my mistakes too. And in, in that I didn't care about the nine people that said it was good. I let that one person out of 10 bother me, that 10% bother me. And it, and it took me forever to realize and understand, man, that does not matter. Somebody's always going to be upset. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what it is that you talk about. It doesn't matter what it is that you do. Somebody's always going to have something negative to say. And that, nine times out of ten, it's going to be because they're jealous. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be because they envy what it is that you're doing. Um, it's not even necessarily that they disagree or that they genuinely dislike your content. They just dislike what you're doing and how you're going about that. Um, and I think for the longest time, man, it took me forever, forever to figure that out. So, yeah, yeah, man, it's I uh, think it's crazy, man. Your story is powerful. Again, like you you come from this kid back in, in Terrell to trying to find yourself. You break free and you finally had a space to where you could find your passion, work your passion, you know, put it through all these different tests and testing it out by being live and finding yourself. So now you're at a place of contribution with your podcast and you being an educator, pouring back into kids to have a grant, a a teacher innovation grant, getting kids some funding for something that you want to build content creating. I think that's fire. Going back to what you did say, You said pouring into my content creating passion that included my time at OBU and UCA. Mm -hmm. And then there's another part that you did say and now teaching while also managing untimely family deaths. Yeah. You know, whenever I hear that and I I read that, it, it really just had me at a point of reflection, because for me, being your friend and being 
someone that kind of seen, you know, your story from a different lens. I do remember, you know, the don't leave me challenge. Like you said, <laughs> you have all these followers on TikTok. Yep. I, that one video, I think it's been viewed over 5 million times. It has. You it's know, insane. Yeah. I got a glimpse through that video, just a glimpse of, of who your father was, the mm-hmm. goofy, the smiley, you know, the funny guy that he was. Um, who was he? Man. You know, I, it's uh, it's one of those things. My my father is. I, I did an interview um, with ABC after his death. Man, I, I, a lot of people don't understand just how many people um, he impacted um, as a as a teacher, coach, and as an educator. Um, my father was one of the most selfless, um, caring people that you would ever meet. He was a he was one of those coaches that you genuinely. Uh, wanted to play for. He was one of those coaches that you genuinely wanted to run for. He was one of those coaches and educators that you would do just about anything for. Um, as a father, uh, man, my pops would go through hell and back for for us. And from for me, seeing the way that he loved his kids, one of the biggest things that stood out for for me with my pops was the uh, man. He told me, and I'll never forget this. This is like at the age of ten or eleven years old. And he said, man, I prayed for that type of relationship before you were even born. That's like the bare minimum um, that I can only hope that I do with my kids when I get older is have that type of relationship where my kids can feel like they can come to me about anything. My kids know that they're loved. My kids know that I'll go through hell and back um, for them. And, man, it's crazy. That's another thing that I battle internally now, you know, being in a district that he is just loved by so many. it's hard to find yourself and and people look around and they say, man, you look so much like your pops, even my own mom, you know, at times I feel like I can't even go to her about things and tell her my opinion with stuff. Cause I have certain characteristics and ser- uh, certain traits of that he possessed too. And it reminds her of him. So for me, man, internally, that's hard to, to deal with and address and, and go forward with because it's, I don't want to be Maurice Hill. You know, Maurice Hill was Maurice Hill, but I do want to have Maurice Hill traits and characteristics as I try to tell my own story as well. Um, And so for me, man, that's the biggest thing that I'm battling now is how do I uh, how do I go on in a district that everybody knows my family? Everybody loves my family to death. Everybody um, has embraced my dad. How do I go on and. Yes, I'm Maurice Hill's son, but I'm Marcellus, you know, in the end. Mm. Um, that's why when they asked me to coach track after he passed, I couldn't do it because I'm not I'm not him and I'm not going to try to be him. Um, that's that's yeah. the thing right now that I'm that I'm dealing with the most is just trying my best to not try to be him, but instead be my own self that possesses some of his characteristics. How tough is that though? Because again, you're, you, you want to lean into who you are, but again, it's not running away from, you know, the light that they saw and they knew everything that he was. And you want to embrace the parts of him that you hold and the traits that you hold. So how tough is that battle, you know, becoming yourself in a district where he's crowned and everybody, you know, rightfully so beloved. Yeah. Like after, you know, his passing, how has that impacted your life and, and your family's lives? It's it's hard. Um, there's days where, you know, it's great. And I keep my mom and my siblings and everybody else that's near me afloat. But then other times it's uh it's very difficult. You know, like I said, 
Um, one of the things that my mom and my dad did constantly um, was call each other on their extensions. You know, so I have to find myself sometimes not calling my mom on my school phone because it'll pop up and it looks exactly like my dad's name. Or, you know, I have to find myself not saying certain things because I know it'll remind her of him. You know, I think uh, I think in the end, man, that that transition really has been difficult. And I can't tell you, you know, how many times I get told, man, I'd love to be able to talk to your pops right now about this. And I know he'd be able to answer this question about this. Or, man, I know he'd be able to help me with this. But it's also refreshing hearing, too, that, man, you know, you're able to answer some of these questions that that he could have answered, you know. Or, man, you act just like him, even though I'm not trying to be. I think that's what I get my happiness about is when I'm not trying to be like him and it just genuinely comes out. And people are like, man, you act just like your daddy in certain things. Like that's that's the stuff that I'm fine with and I'm okay with. Um, but it's definitely difficult um to move forward and address uh certain elements without him. And like I said, man, that and for me, I think it's even harder when it's untimely. You know, what I mean by untimely is just to give people a timeline. Man, my pops was only 48 years old. Um, nobody thought for a second once he got sick. Um, that it would result in death. So you're talking about uh, him finding out that he was sick um, three weeks later, gone, just like that. You know, zero time to prepare for that. Um, and I'm a firm believer in that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes and, you know, you you dealt the cards that you dealt. But at the same time, that not having the time to fully prep for that, um, I think is what is making that transition so much harder too. But you know, without, you know, that that aside, I'm at a place now where I think I'm probably as happy as I've been. Um, a lot of that comes from that validation of knowing. And, man, me and my pops talked about this. Again, he was the only one that believed in the system. He was the only one that believed in me producing my podcast. He was the one that believed in me producing content. He was the one that fully bought in to all of this. And so now me putting that in the light, He's some of my motivation and what I do as well. Um, yeah. And seeing all of that now unfold, I find my happiness through that too. And knowing that, man, I did, I did that. You know, we talked about this at the age of 10 years old. Um, nobody else believed in it, but we did. Now look at what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So I find a lot yeah. of my happiness in that now. And, you know, it's been over a year, right over a year uh, since he's passed. But, you know, I've, I've found... I found my space and that's what this is. It's telling other people's stories and getting to know them and putting out content, putting other people's, you know, putting other smiles on people's faces, whenever that content is shown on the big board, so on and so forth. That's where I find my happiness now. And I think that's, uh, you found your space. Man, the strength that you're exuding and you're, you know, you're speaking to right now. I think that that's powerful. One, thank you for, you know, sharing your story. I do want to go to how you feel, because, again, you spoke to being, you know, for lack of better words, I would call like a people pleaser by Mm -hmm. service. You want to serve, serve, serve. You spoke to at length of, you know, how people reacted to who you were. But if I was to not talk about the external, like I'm zealous going into school and they're saying stuff to me, but I was to speak to that zealous when I go home behind closed doors, that internal journey, what are the things and how has your dad's passing changed you? Because for me, you know, 
mourning is one thing. It's the external, right. what people see, but grief is the internal, mm-hmm. what people don't see. How has that journey been for you with your father's loss? A uh, roller coaster. Um, you know, it's some days are great. Other days, I don't even want to get up and go to work. Um, there, you know, especially those first six months. Um, and I don't mind sharing this, uh, man, there was many days where I would, uh, wake up in the morning and just stare at the ceiling, not even want to go into work, not even wanting to do those things. Um, that was, there was a lot of days of me having to put on a front of looking happy and feeling happy around my students, just so I don't bring them down as well. But internally I'm hurting you know, beyond words can describe, um, again, and that's, that's what I want to harp on too. It's, it's genuinely, no, I can't put that in the words. I really can't, you know, from that internal, uh, battle that I dealt with, with, it's just one of those things that you genuinely have to go through and endure yourself before you can fully, fully grasp and understand how that feels. Um, but it's a lot, a lot. And I mean, a ton of, a ton of pain, you know, I even, like I said, found myself shutting everybody out, you know, sitting in a dark room, um, 18 out of the 24 hours in the day, um, not wanting to go out and do anything. Um, and that's where you have to lean on close friends, close family to be able to pull you out. You know, I, I really do, uh, love my brothers. Um, some of my good friends from college that, that were there throughout that whole thing and saw, you know, what everybody else didn't see because, uh, Celis, you know, even me being that outgoing, flamboyant personality, I was I was down and I was lost. Um, losing mm-hmm. somebody that was that close um, was something that I just don't know. Um, I, I don't wish that on my worst enemy um, to have to endure that. And then, like I said, adding that element of him leaving unexpectedly um, just added fuel to the fire. Because then that's when you ask yourself and you start um, telling yourself, man, like, if I had just gotten him to the hospital, you know, a couple of hours earlier, um, if I had just done this, you know, if I had went and visited him more, um, if I had just shown my face around a little bit more, maybe he would have had that motivation to get up. Those are the things that I deal with and I dealt with for a long time was questioning, is there anything that I did wrong that could have changed the outcome? Um, and that's torture. That's torture to yourself. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't recommend anybody, doing that human nature allows you to do that um, and forces you to do that. But man, again, that, that right there is the biggest pain is questioning yourself. And my mom, same thing, just questioning, man, if I had just gone a little bit more, if I had just shown my face a little bit more, if I had come and just talked to him a little bit more, um, if I had just called him a little bit more, I don't, I didn't want to bother him. Maybe if I didn't bother him or bothered him more, that had given them more motivation. Those are the type of things, man, that uh, yeah. that people truly don't don't know because I don't talk about it. Um, but that constant of questioning yourself, that constant battle of if I had just done this, would he still be here? That even now, you know, sometimes I still find myself asking those questions, even though I'm in a better space uh, mentally. I still find myself asking those questions every now and then, um, and that's not healthy. Um, it's not healthy yeah. at all because. In the end, that outcome was going to happen regardless of if we wanted to or not. So um, that's just kind of where I'm at now. When the, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy and, and, and 
part of that is your sense of peace, your sense of self, your sense of joy, you know, your sense of self-worth. You spoke to the variables of grief. If I, if I could have did this, if I didn't do that, if I didn't do this, if I was there one second, I can speak to that in, in my situation where I lost my two cousins. You know, I was going through that variables of grief and then grief, you know, acting different, you know, not knowing how to interact with family members. I was numb, like shutting people out, like what to you spoke to. So, no, I totally, you know, not saying that I understand exactly what you're going through because I don't, I, I could never understand going through exactly what you did, but right. to the, to the feeling of, you know, not knowing or questioning kind of that, that mode that you're in, you know, you did speak to the feedback loop of hell, you know, from hell, that loop when it comes and as it pertains to your mind, bully, that voice, that negative voice that, you know, still pops up every now and then, even your now, how, you know, that ongoing journey, what does that feel like? Take us to that loop. Uh, it depends on uh, what it is that um, I'm, I'm dealing with at that time. You know, if I'm, if I'm talking to like, for instance, with, with dealing with that death, um, that feedback loop from hell is going to consist of, um, man, if, if my pots would have just, listen, but now, you know, if, if he had just done this, then maybe this would have happened or, and, you know, regardless, if I had just taken him over here and done this, then this is, would have been the outcome. It's just, you start putting yourself and creating all of these different scenarios that in the end, man, um, if you, had, if you just are authentic with yourself, that scenario or all those different scenarios won't matter. The outcome is what's going to be what should happen. Um, same thing when I'm dealing with, you know, putting out content and even right now I'm finding myself going through editing photos and looking at different things and deciding what photos I want to use and what footage I want to use for the video. And I'm, well, this is going to hit harder if, uh, if I use this at this time, well, nah, but if I use it at this time, then that's not going to, that's not going to turn out the way that it should with the song. If I use this song, then maybe people are going to perceive it that way. But if I use that song, maybe somebody's going to get mad and they're going to, call in on me or they're going to try to get me in trouble because it's not a quote unquote appropriate song. But if I use this song and it's too soft, then it's not going to get people. Lit. That's the type of stuff that I deal with on, on a daily basis. And I have to find myself and force myself to get up and just take a deep breath, man, relax, you know, calm down. Think about it. Think about what it is that you actually are saying. Think about what it is that you're actually dealing with and just say, you know what? I'm just going to approach it this one way. And however that plays out is the way that it's going to be. Again, everybody is going to, you know, in, in any scenario, I'm not going to say everybody, but in any scenario, somebody is always going to have something negative to say, regardless of what it is um, that you that you're doing. So what is do you what does that look like? What does that look like practically when when it pertains to your mind? Billy? I always ask this question to all my guests overcoming that negative voice, that fight. What does it look like and how do you overcome that? So for you, you know, the steps to actually do so, you know, overcoming that, you know, trying to please people, trying to do it the way they want to do it. What are the steps that you actually do to overcome that negative voice? Um, Ask myself, is this something that they would even do for me or ask myself is what I'm doing for somebody else. Would they do the same thing in return? And if that answer is no, then I'm like, okay, like why am I even worried about it too much? Or, you know, a lot of times it's, it's asking myself, 
how much effort is the opposing or is the opposition putting in to what it is that I'm putting in. So nine times out of 10, that answer is nowhere near as much as I am. So why do I, why does it matter? Um, it's always asking myself questions to uplift me and to put myself in that space of, okay, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter how people perceive my content. It doesn't matter how people feel about me in general. Um, ask myself uplifting questions to, to get myself in that headspace of not worrying about that anymore. Um, that's what that process looks like for me is just asking myself, man, look, does it, does it really matter what people think? Um, asking yourself, man, in the end, who cares, you know, but yourself, it's only you, you know, asking yourself, man, uh, would that person do that for you? Um, asking yourself those uplifting questions is something that I always revert back to in order to get myself out of that overthinking headspace because that overthinking headspace is just so unhealthy. And uh, I just have to, you know, constantly get to where I don't even have to ask myself those uplifting questions. I need to get myself to where I'm in that constant headspace of, of positivity and knowing that what I do is good enough and knowing that. Yeah. Um, but it's a battle. Exactly. You know, I not even to cut you off. What you do is good enough. What, who you are is good enough. That's why the voice is coming for you constantly because it's trying to steal at that light, trying to take you down, trying to make you take you off this path of becoming all that you are. Like, you know, your dad saw the traits, you know, the, the media, the production, all that content creation. Yeah. You don't have to do it my way. I was this thing, but sell us. You are unique in who you are. You can run in that. You could do that. And you know, the other people, the voices, the outside voices, the mind beliefs coming, trying to take at pry at, at all those voices, even to when you're constantly, content creating you're doing the thing you're running in your passion it's still coming oh well i'm doing it now but i should sound like this or i should do it like this no i can be sellers marcellus damn hill like because this is who i've made to be and this is my voice and i think that that ongoing battle is for a reason a lot of people want to run away and say man i just wish i was positive man no it's understanding who you are yeah identifying who you are i'm a light so this voice is supposed to come so when it comes you know like all right i'm a dog duh duh it's gonna come duh and and i think you know this story and what you showcased today bro it's one of the most you know powerful stories that i've even heard to be honest to you know i'm not even kidding i'm feeling like i was emotional through your story because of the strength and the power that you have to openly you know portray something that just happened like this is fresh and for you to speak on it at, at length and how you did i'm i'm so appreciative for you to jump on this platform to you know not only speak to me but to the encourage and to pour out you're an educator you're doing it here i'm so thankful to have you on the podcast bro Man, the last thing i would i do want to say and i re- i really want to read if if you would mind me the yeah. the thing that you did speak you know you're a content creator at you know at length you know all the way at your pop's funeral you did say something you said walk alongside us daddy mm-hmm. continue to give us encouragement to be our best every single day. Walk alongside us, daddy, protect us from any harm that may come our way. Yeah. That is so beautiful. And I think, you know, just me hearing that it did something for me when I was reading it, when I was looking over it and and just kind of going over it earlier, I know that it did something for somebody listening. So man, I, I, I really think and I'm really thankful for this time. Honestly, I'm not kidding. I'm so thankful. It, and I know that, you know, your pops is smiling down at you 
while you're you're finding yourself, you're you're being strong for your family, you're you know bringing everything together, you're pouring into you know the kids at your school, you're going back and you're you're looking and you're finding ways to pour into your siblings and your your mom. And man, I, I I'm just you know I'm praying for you, I'm with you, we're with I you. Love, Anything yeah. that I could ever do um, to help and, and you know just lend a hand and lend a voice, lend an ear. I'm here for you, bro. Much and again, love, thank you for Appreciate for you. sharing your story on this podcast. Yes, sir. On the My Believe Podcast. Yes, Appreciate, you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Much love. And I'll say this, this is the last thing I'll say, man. You know, when when dealing with uh with with untimely deaths, deaths in general, there's because you know, I say untimely, but no time is ever good. Um, one of the biggest things that, you know, a lot of especially African-American families, man, they just do not believe in the in the counseling and the grief counseling um, element. If you feel like you need to just have somebody to get that off your chest, somebody that's just going to be a neutral, unbiased listener, man, go. Um, because a lot of times, you know, I, I've dealt with that even with my own family, man, you got multiple counselors in your family. You got three uncles that are pastors, blah, 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 blah. No, no. Handle that the way that you feel you need to handle that. And I promise you, it'll end up being in a positive light in the end. So that's my It'll thing end up being that. positive. Thank yep. you, bro, again, yes, for being on the pod. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you having me, man. It's been a blast talking about that for real. So um, like I said, I think it's uh, phenomenal what you're doing um and getting just all these different types of athletes and people employees whoever on this platform to talk about that stuff it it makes you realize okay i'm not the only one that's going through this i'm not the only one that deals with things eternally so much love to you too sir thank you so much for listening to the mind bully podcast i'm so thankful bye oh yeah respond rate review subscribe all that yeah peace and love bye jenix you going off